This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 386. And the quote of the day is from Nolan Ryan, who said, Enjoying success requires the ability to adapt. Only by being open to change will you have the true opportunity to get the most from your talent. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. This is episode 386. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope your week was good. And we are coming in on Friday with an amazing conversation with my man, Jesse K, Jesse Kirschbaum. And we are going to get into that conversation in just one second. Quickly, I want to let you know that every Monday I send out an email called Nick's Monday Mix. And that is a list of things that I'm checking out. It's new music, it's books, it's apps that you might find cool. Anything that I think you think would be cool. I send it along and I also send out the latest podcast that's been released. And the easiest way that you can sign up for that, you can just go to drummersresource.com forward slash mix, M-I-X, and you'll be set to go. And that's it. Drummersresource.com forward slash mix. Get on the next Monday mix email list, the next Monday mix email list. That's a tongue twister. Anywho, uh, so let's get into it. Let's get into this conversation. This is with Jesse Kay, and Jesse has a very interesting story about how he got into the music business and how he sort of pivoted a few times in, in multiple different roles. So he understands definitely the business side of things, understands how artists are, how to work with artists, how artists work with brands, how artists can grow their audience and can increase their exposure. And we talk about that. We talk about the changing landscape of the music industry, and he offers offers up some really sage advice for how you as an independent artist, as an independent drummer, can start putting one foot in front of the other to get yourself out there more. So I don't want to waste any more of your time. Let's get into it with Jesse K. Jesse K, what's going on, my man? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It is a uh, honor and a privilege well, to be on the Drummers Resource Podcast. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I don't know. You may not be saying Come that by the, by the end of the interview. I hope we're going to give them something to talk about. <laughs> it doesn't go viral. <laughs> and then why was the point of doing it? Then what's the point? What's the point? The first thing I got to do is I got I to gotta get a little bit of your backstory. I got to understand for you why music. How did you, how did you get into what, I know what you're doing now, uh, but how did you get sure. into it in the first place? Well, you know, here's how it started. I was in high school and I was the president of my high school and I fell in love with music and hip hop in particular. I was always kind of liking dancing and, you know, enjoying listening to music growing up. But all of a sudden I just started like throwing parties and realizing that like what makes every event better is music. And so I started to get more and more in the music scene. And I got asked by a girlfriend at the time in high school, if I wanted to dance in Puff Daddy's All About the Benjamins and go see that video shoot and get paid to be in the video. And so that was my first taste. I was going to be in politics. I was a political science major gearing up for it for in college. And uh, it really almost 
it, it, once I got to school after the first semester, it hit me. Like I remember being on a plane flying back to college from Thanksgiving break and being like, nah, I want to be in the music business and changed my major and got into the business school and really pretty much have not looked back, just been full on dedicated to this industry ever since. Um, and my thesis just keeps getting stronger and stronger. But it started really throwing parties. I love it. And putting music in, and, and, and music in parties and knowing that like parties without good music is lame. Yeah. And I was able to help that. I like it. Yeah. It's funny that how you get into things at a young age and you don't realize how instrumental it's going to be in your, you know, in your career and in your life. When I was in sixth grade, somehow, I have no idea how we did this, but we convinced our school to let us, de my buddy and I convinced them to let us DJ the winter dance or whatever. We had no business yeah. DJing this thing. So we went to Rent-A-Center and rented speakers and like a head unit and like like a receiver and all this crazy shit. They paid us $750. Now we're talking. I was like. And you said, wait a minute. This shit is fun. I was like $750. I was like, I bought. And you probably got a French kiss that night I did. or something. I did. I kept it PG because I was in, I was, you know, sixth grade or something like that. But. But but now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the you know that's sort of the beginning. So for you, um, so you're on this plane. Were you like, you figure out, all right, I want to be in the music business. Were you like, I know what I'm gonna do. I know what direct. Like, am I, I'm gonna be? Or did you know if you're gonna be a manager or a musician or a dancer or did you did you have that stuff figured out? You know, I was just throwing these events, and I was naturally drawn to bringing people together. And I could see that music was this universal connector. It was this larger than life language that everybody could understand and move with. And uh, there wasn't anything else like that. I didn't know what it was going to be or what area. I mean, I was, uh, you know, a freshman in, in height in college, but I knew that that was the industry that was very appealing to me. I knew that was an industry that would, would solve a lot of what I was looking for in life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a really wild ride because, you know, my entire career, music business has been on a downward spiral. Yeah. Like as soon as I got, I was thought the record business was going to be where it was at. I was convinced electronic record business was going to be the big win. And so after three different internships um, in college, when I got out of school, I got a job at a, uh, a boutique electronic record label. And I was just like, wait a minute, the record business is not a business. We're giving away more records than we're selling. Right. Like, how, there's no way this place could be profitable. Mm -hmm. Like, and especially in the electronic records business, this is like in the early 2000s, like the business, the sky was falling. Right. So it's crazy to think that my entire career until now, there's just been negative, negative resources, energy revenue. It's just been down, down, down. And, you know, I've been able to somehow, it felt like I was pushing a rock up a hill, create momentum time and time again for various projects I was working on. But it's great in 2018 to finally be seeing growth, let alone double digit growth all across the board. Mm -hmm. So this industry has just gotten that much more exciting thanks to the streaming platforms, thanks to social media, 
driving all this more awareness thanks to, um, in a lot of ways, the business getting smarter and really kind of um, seeding out a lot of the old principles of the uh, the business from the 70s and 80s that mm-hmm. just wasn't necessarily fair yeah. or, or treating artists the right way or, or, or you know, it was extremely profitable and lucrative when you're selling $20 CDs that cost a dollar to make by the truckload, by tens of millions. I mean, but it just, it, it wasn't a sound business by the time I got into it. Sure. Uh, and so I quickly adopted, I was quickly like, let me, um, this record business isn't going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And so then I was thinking of being a lawyer and I was like starting to study for the else sets. And I was like, as an you know, entertainment lawyer waiting. Yeah. I just figured that was a, a sound business where I could be in the deal and I could really add value. And I didn't have any real connections in the music business. It wasn't like my father or my family friends or um, anybody besides like my own hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really know anybody in the music business except my internships. And so I was making these relationships by going out and networking and being in the club, being at the parties. And, you know, I was delivering mail for this electronic record label. And basically um, I would look at the A&R's mail and I would go to the parties where he'd be at. And, and, and you know, he'd be like, well, how the heck are you here? I basically would use his name at the door to get in. And from there, I was able to work a room a little bit and make some solid relationships. But I just figured being a lawyer would allow me to um, at least have a a place in this business where I could add value. Mm -hmm. But about three months into that, a family friend was like, you're going out, you're in the mix. Like, you don't want to be a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Like, lawyers go to court and do contracts and are litigators. Like, that's not what you want to do. You're essentially a professional reader. (laughs) Like, you'll hire lawyers. You don't need to have a, you don't need to be a lawyer to be a deal maker. You should be an agent, an agent, work with the talent and you get right into um, learning all aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I started. I I called up every talent agency I could find. I got the, the number, I got a week trial subscription to celebrity access. I called everybody up and one boutique booking agency named Pyramid, uh, the CEO had just fired his assistant and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a new assistant. You can start right away. Like come in and and meet me. And he hired me on the spot. As a booking agent, not uh, as a, not as a management, not, not a, not in the, as his assistant. I got you. As his assistant. So I was 22 and a half and I was an assistant to the CEO uh, his name was Sal Michaels, and he was quite the character. I did like <laughs> all the screen two contracts for like that summer tour. If you remember, like the B2K little bow wow. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was like so cool. I was learning a lot. I was not a great assistant, but during this time, I had I was still going out every night, and then I was now getting a chance to like do contracts and learn the ins and outs of the business, mm-hmm. and. Um, while the time that I'd been working for Sal, I called all these other agencies before to try and get a gig. Another one called me back, um, another boutique, and said, I had just fired my assistant, um, and I really liked you on the phone. You sounded interesting. Are you still looking for a job? And I said, no, I took a job at Pyramid, and it was stressful at Pyramid. 
Um, and he had just said, you know, this new agency had just said to me, well, I have funding and uh, I hate Pyramid. So come work for me and I'll pay you more. And so I, within pretty much two months, moved over to another agency. And at that point, um, they had like, they had newfound energy and they were kind of letting me go off the leash. It was like, I got to skip the mail room and everything. And I started calling X and trying to sign them. And uh, I signed clips nice. and they went number two on the pop charts, you know, with that song grind in and when's the last time. And then they did Justin Timberlake's first single and Pharrell was producing them. And they just became this like anomaly where like we went on, you know, the Grinding street tour. Then we went on Nelly's arena tour. Then we went on 50 cents college tour. Then we went on Jay-Z's European tour. And I was the agent for all of that. 23 years old just uh learning on the fly i was gonna and, say i had uh, no idea what you were doing <laughs> well you know i do i wasn't a classically trained agent right um but you know my boss at the time knew what he was doing he was sure. a seasoned uh booking agent so he was kind of you know coaching me through a lot of it and a big kind of consequence was that like i was super young you know compared to all my friends that were like weekend warriors i was working every weekend learning how to route tours learning how to get holds I was just learning on the fly instead of, you know, the traditional route of like going in the mail room of William Morris or ICM, and, you know, at 27, you get a chance to get a desk and at 33, you get a chance to be an agent. And, you know, it, it, it's a longer um, grind yeah, for uh, sure. in the traditional sense. Whereas like I was kind of able to hack the system by going boutique and having taste. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, quickly was working with Yin Yang Twins and I was booking Sean Paul at $4,000 a night, you know, when Give Me the Light was coming out and I signed Lyricist Lounge and um, I just started like getting in with everything hot and relevant uh, and, and was quickly building a reputation as like one of the youngest, uh, best booking agents nice. in New York. Nice. And then at that point, I moved to LA to take a breather and kind of change things up because I got an opportunity to work in the video game business and to head up entertainment marketing for a video game company. And I figured that was a great way to learn the tech space. Mm -hmm. And quickly after that, I started my own company. After my three years in LA, I moved back to New York and started new agency and full force was able to um, start to roll that out. And uh, well, I mean, it was still bootstrapped. I sure. was doing it like uh, off of a couch in my friend's office at DigiWax. He had a client named Mims. Mims was starting to go big with this song. This is why I'm hot. He needed help. I was looking for how to start this company. He offered me basically uh, a spot on, on a couch in like the back lounge. And uh, <laughs> I grinded up that back couch and was able to sign a lot of great artists and start, you know, being able to rep names like Big Sean and Mike Posner and Jay Cole and Wale and obviously Mims and pretty quickly I had a, a strong roster um, representing talent. So you were and you so were on the management side initially, right? I was on the agency side. I was oh, a booking okay. agent okay. or a talent agent. I was doing so much more for these acts, and that was kind of how I was able to find them, and that was kind of how I was able to parlay this next chapter. And uh, we were definitely utilizing social. And we were like the first line of defense for so many of these artists 
early on. So we were dealing with brands. We were dealing with test platforms. We were creating um, all these kind of cool different style deals. We were focused on the college market where I thought it was a great place to break these artists and get them the most amount of money. So we were just kind of looking at things differently and a lot more like kind of crafty and robust and doing a lot for these artists. I really get a kick out of working with artists, brands, startups, early stages in their career mm-hmm. where you get to roll your sleeves up and, and be really involved in every facet of it. Once they right, get right, bigger, right. It, it, it just gets a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you almost feel like a waiter in a good restaurant. <laughs> right. you're, you're taking calls. It's like the golden rule of management. Um, in the beginning, your job is to say yes to everything. And as the artist gets big, your job is to say no to everything. Mm. Like it's a little less fun right. to constantly be shutting shit down versus um, making shit happen. Right. No, that makes sense. I like, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm, you and I are the same in that regard. Like I like the build. I'm the builder, not like I don't, once it's humming along, I'm like, okay, I want to, let me, I want to do something else now. You know, like I let wanna, me take my equity. You know, and unfortunately, yeah. I'm a lot smarter about things, and, and we've got a different business model. We build in our equity to these deals, and you know, we're always available for calls and advisor status, but not necessarily um, interested in in in, in uh, at this stage in my career in in you know being compartmentalized and running like being a cog in a much bigger system. Right. So, but, what exactly you are know, you guys doing older, now? Because I know that you, I know you, you pivoted from from sort of booking to the stuff that you're doing now, more of an agency model. Yeah, as, as I get older, we're really more focused on culture marketing. Okay. And I'm sorry, the company that we're doing these days is really focused on helping brands and tech companies and startups and bigger companies that are launching products and and also other brands and helping them connect to their consumers through the power of culture, mm-hmm. but really with an expertise in music and technology. I got you. And so we're helping brands build out music strategy. We're making big ideas come to life. We're figuring out the best way to align artists. But it's not just like putting an artist in a campaign. You know, a lot of brands might not understand what a modern day music strategy looks like. Mm-hmm. And you really have to look at what your objectives are and build out with the right artists to connect with, the right platforms to connect with them on. Is it social? Is it content you're creating with them? Is it influencer marketing stuff? Is it an event? Is it a theme song? You know, all across the board. It's, uh, it's, it, it, we help brands build out these music strategies. We help companies launch, cut through the noise, connect to their consumers. Nice. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, not your grandpa's agency right. model. Right. So let me ask you a couple of questions because I, I put a couple of thumbtacks and some stuff that you said. I want to rewind a little bit. You were talking about, uh, and we'll bounce around, but there was just some things that you had mentioned that I thought were, were pretty good to touch on. You mentioned that you're good at going out and creating relationships and sort of working the room. Once you get in the room, you're good. You can start working the room. Um, one of the, and that's one of my strong suits too, is just, is, I get. I don't know. Like maybe I'm just a natural talker or something like that. But what are your? What are your? I mean, the music business is all about relationships. So whether you are doing what you're doing, or you're a manager, or you're a, a drummer who's trying to just get more gigs, or trying to get onto the scene, or you know whatever it is, 
what are what's your advice for for networking and building relationships? Because the common question that I get all the time is like, where do I start? What do I just I, how do I just start emailing people and start developing relationships with people? How do I start developing relationships with people when I walk into the room and I I'm meeting new people? What's yeah, your take? Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it, it's definitely about knowing who you are, what you want to achieve, what you want to say. I think it requires self-awareness uh, and a big part of it. And I also think it's like I have this philosophy that you go to good places with good people and great things happen. So it's like it's almost like a one plus one equals three mm-hmm. when you put yourself in the right place and you surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I really try to stick to that formula. I don't go just everywhere. I'm very strategic point and shoot like I'm not I'm like a go big or stay home type of person because I really like to stay home <laughs> so I, I I but somehow I end up going out five nights so six nights a week I mean you seem um, like a natural extrovert are you an extrovert or are you a, are, are you an introvert in an extrovert's body yeah I mean I think I'm both because I love being home I love to read I love to write and, you know, I'm really getting a kick out of doing more and more thought leadership and writing. And, 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 and so, you know, that requires brain power. That requires space and time. Like, I'm not writing a book or anything at this point in my life, but I definitely have a weekly newsletter. And uh, I'm getting more and more traction with that. And so it requires time home. Um, I don't necessarily, I'm not the lazy type. So it's not like I'm just sitting home, um, you know, watching the Kardashians, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely watching content that I bookmarked or earmarked to check out. Um, so, you know, I like to go out and uh, if it makes sense, yeah. if it's the right place and it's the right experience, but I like to stay home too mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and really just kind of go down a rabbit hole and learn that way. Right. So it's a combination of both. What's your way of evaluating whether it's worth your time or not to go out? Uh, it's pretty simple. You got to make sure that it's, you know, something that you feel good about doing. You got to ask yourself, am I up for it first and foremost? And, you know, are there people there that you want to connect with? So mm-hmm. who else is going? Or is there an experience that you can't see any other time? I kind of have this philosophy that usually I might not want to go, but I'm always glad I did. Mm-hmm. It's usually so, the things that you don't want to go to end up being sort of the cooler experiences or the most beneficial. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know it's going to be amazing. Right. And you, But, you know, sometimes it's just it's tough to get far. Some, some, You know, you don't want to go. You just had a long day. It's a roller coaster ride. I'm probably having 30 or 40 conversations a day. And getting three, four hundred emails a day, so there gets to a place where you're at sensory overload, mm-hmm. and you might not necessarily want to just like go out into the wild. Right. But um, if you can get yourself in the right headspace, and uh, through meditation or through um, relaxing or doing maybe a yoga or a workout uh, or closing your eyes a little bit and resetting, um, all of a sudden I could pick up more steam. And I get that kind of like urge to to go see the next thing that's that's on my plate because usually on my schedule is booked like two three weeks out in advance. 
Right, right. There was, I, I, and I like that. I, I want to switch topics quickly, but, uh, but I agree with being selective about what you do because I, I run into it so many times where people are like, well, I'm going here and I go here and I go to this thing and I go, and it's like, well, at the end of the day, like, why are you going? What's the point? Why yeah. are you leaving your house? And not that I'm saying that you have to go out with like an agenda and you're like, I have to talk to this person because they're going to lead to to this thing for me and I really need to work them over. I'm not, I'm not talking that, but like if you go and, or you know that it's always going to be the same people who you always, you, you already know and, and you're not making any new contacts and it's not really worth your time or money or effort to do it, then stay home. Like I always tell drummers, you're better, you know, you're better off just staying in the practice room instead of going to some pointless open it's mic so down true. the street, you know? It's so true. If you're a master of your craft, then the opportunities are going to be way more plentiful. Mm -hmm. If you're too busy networking and not spending enough time creating, then you're just ultimately setting yourself up to be chasing your tail. I like to try and set an intention. Here's my intention for this call. Here's my intention for this meeting. Here's my intention for this event. Um, if you can ground yourself there, it feels a lot more meaningful and a lot more interconnected mm -hmm. and you can kind of stay more on task. Sure. Um, and, and yeah, you got to embrace the serendipity because you never know what's um, going to happen and you got to kind of lean in uh, to these opportunities. And so much of life is about how you react, not, you know, what you do and say. Mm -hmm. And so I, I definitely feel like you got to be listening to the world, but yeah, if you're just out there kind of doing it to do it, um, I mean, if you're going to do it that way, I hope you're at least Instagramming it. Right. <laughs> and I like the, the distinction know? between going out with an angle and going out with an intention. I think there's a, two different things. Angle to me seems sort of sleazy and disingenuous, but an intention Definitely. is something that's totally different. It's one thing to talk about how great dream symbols are, but it's another thing to actually hear them for yourselves. And the good thing about dream is not only do they sound great, but they're also priced well below the competitor's prices. So that way you can actually afford to buy these symbols. And if you don't think you can get a great sounding symbol at a low price, check out dreamsymbols.com. But first, I want you to take a listen to what these things sound like. To learn more about dream symbols, be sure to check them out at dreamsymbols.com. talked about a little bit about how the the music industry right now is in a growth i mean double we're talking double digit growth all over you know everyone's in, making money in everywhere I everywhere mean, vinyl is up right cd sales are up yep cassettes are up streaming is way up right ticket sales are up more artists are going to shows than ever more artists are releasing music than ever more artists are touring than ever more Festivals are popping up. More people are going to festivals. It is like bang, 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 bang. Which, uh, you know, obviously it's not the heyday of profit that it once was. Right. But I think it's going to be better than ever. Here's the rub with all that. It's sort of like the analogy of like the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And let me explain before, before, uh, before you answer. Sure. So I agree. Streaming is up record labels are making a ton of money. I mean, every, you know, 
things or brands are getting more involved with with artists. There's more money flying around. There's huge. There's festivals all over the place. Like Coachella is amazing. It sells. I don't. Even, I think it like you know they sell out before they even announce the acts. Right. It, it, everything gets sold out. The live music yeah. scene at the lower level of the sort of working man musician journeyman weekend warrior are completely getting snuffed out because they're none of the bars have live music anymore they all have djs or you know they're just playing a jukebox or something like that or they're they're just playing from their from their phone and you know they're playing spotify or something like that djs have have taken over most of the other areas that have live music and every week i hear about another small live music venue that is going out of business because they can't afford it. I mean, BB Kings in New York City even just went out of business because they can't afford to be there anymore. I don't know if it's because they can't afford it. I think that they, those guys are got an angle. Right. Um, they opened Sony Hall. Like they, they're, you know, they're, they're smart guys. I don't think it's that they can't afford it. I, right. I think that they, they've got a, a plan there. I look, it's well, forget about, all right, forget about BB Kings. Harder. Right. That's not a great example, but I, I will say that like, there is hard. It's hard to be a middle class musician, mm-hmm. just like it's hard to be a middle class anybody in America right now. It really feels like you're either rich or you're poor. Right. You either made it or you did it um, at this stage. Uh, I do feel like there are opportunities for you know musicians to to create sustainable living by continuously releasing music. There's a lot less cost to doing it, mm-hmm. but it's tough to be a part-time, you know, musician and really be able to make a living or make an impact or make a dent. Right. Cause, um, you, you, it's just, there's, it's harder and harder to be middle-class mm-hmm. in this, in this game. The rich are definitely getting richer. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's hard to do this unless you're going all in mm-hmm. and, uh, really going for it. Um, if you're releasing two, three songs a week. Like that's music that there's no barrier to entry. There's no cost to doing it. Right. Like you should be able to, if the music's halfway decent, start to amass some form of following, some form of interest, you know, some form of coverage, some sort of regular touring gigs. Like I I do feel like you've got to reconfigure your strategy knowing that there's 20,000 new songs coming out a week on Spotify and um, you can't do this part time. There's a lot of noise out there Mm -hmm. and it's harder than ever to cut through Yeah, and harder than ever to sustain. So if you're going to do that, you've got to be really consistent. You You can't drop one mixtape and be, you know, thinking that like you're going to gig off of that a year and a half later. Right. Or put out a record every five years or something like that. The interesting thing is that I, that I see it as as a as a musician, at, let's say like a you know a part time or a quote unquote working working class musician. There's so many opportunities with the internet and how you can promote yourself and and you know you can reach an, an audience all around the world without with little to no money spent. And the ironic part about the whole thing is that 
what I've noticed that there's so many more opportunities for everything other than actually playing. So you can get teaching gigs or you can do clinics or you can write books or you can, you know, you can start an online website that you could, or an online lessons website, or there's all these other things, but like, but getting gigs, it's still increasingly harder every year to get gigs as a working class drummer. It amazes me because there's so much opportunity with the internet. And I think that you can make a really great living being a, being a musician who's not on, you know, who's not playing at the highest level. And, uh, but a lot of that income still doesn't come from playing blows my mind. Yeah. It's, um, if you're not in a band and you're not getting gigs, you got to kind of do odd jobs and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard to do anything. There's so much noise out there. It's hard to do it unless you're super focused and disciplined mm-hmm. and talented. And, um, you know, you kind of have to have all of that and uh, also have a team that's going to help you. You know, you got to treat yourself like a brand in some regards and, and really kind of sit in that level of being creative, being business savvy and um, knowing how to promote. And and you kind of have to really sit there and focus on yourself as a musician, musician full time. And um, otherwise, you you know, it's really hard to get not lost in the fray. Mm-hmm. I think it's the difference of the old school mentality versus the new school mentality. Old school was, you know, I join a band, I'm going to get a record label, we'll go on tour, we'll make a ton of money, whatever it is. Or yeah, you could play five, six, seven nights a week. And I mean, these guys years ago in the fifties and sixties were playing casuals and playing a gig at night and all this stuff. Like these guys were killing it, like killing it, making tons of money. Like one of the most uh, recorded drummers of all time, like this dude had a Rolls Royce in the yacht as a sideman. You know what I mean? So he was, he was doing all right. And now it's like you said that you have to approach this whole thing as a business. You have to you have to build your presence. You have to build your following. You have to do all of those things. How do you recommend that people get started? You can't just come out of the gate and have a team, right? I can't just call you and say, yeah. hey, hook me up with uh, with Mountain Dew and get them to like, you know, throw some bread our way so we can put this little tour together. I think you've got to look at a very aggressive release schedule. I think there's no barrier to entry to putting out a song a day. And I think eventually, you know, some of them will have to cut through. So I think you got to treat it like a full-time job, no days off, TEDx. You got to go all in and, um, you know, put your art out there and then network on social media, right? Mm-hmm. Hit people up. If you can hit hundreds of people up, it doesn't cost you anything. It's an amazing era. Like, I think one day it might cost a, not a nickel every time you send an email. Right. And you won't be able to send as many emails. And every email is going to count. Are they going to be sponge worthy or not? Right. From like the Seinfeld reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, uh, at this point, there's no shame in sending a thousand Instagram messages and emails a day um, targeted because all it takes is a couple coming back to you and you could move the needle. Right. And that's all you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I would look at it in this mentality where you want to create new music all the time you want to be releasing as much as you can it doesn't have to be perfect at this point right like you 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 can create kind of art that can change in the new school mentality like you're saying and just adopt a really social media-esque because it's scalable mentality mm-hmm. and 
you know, create a lot of music and put out a lot of music and ship a lot of art and see what comes back. Right. See what the feedback is. Mm -hmm. See what's coming in the comments. See what's coming in the responses. And you'll know. You'll know pretty quickly where you stand and where your opportunities are and who your supporters are. And and uh, I think it's it, from there you build alliances. From mm -hmm. there, collaboration is super important, right? You've got your following. Somebody else who's doing something similar or maybe a little bit bigger has their following and their thing. Hit them up. Get on a track. Play drums on somebody else that you might not know a song. Offer to. Like the nice thing about drummers are like a drummer works really well with a DJ. A drummer works really well with a rapper. A drummer works really well in a band. Like the drummer is the probably coolest of all of the roles out of any musician. And it's so versatile. Like I love a DJ and drummer set when Travis Barker and Mixmaster Mike or when Travis Barker and DJ AM went out. That was badass. Mm -hmm. When um, you add a, a drummer as a backdrop to um, a hip hop performance with a DJ, like that was the original configuration for J. Cole. And, and uh, I, I think it really worked. And, and so there's so many different gigs collaborate. That's phase two. Once you've got like a consistent flow, then you want to build new friends and new fr fan bases by hijacking other people's um, fan bases and, and partnering with them to do things for their channel and your channel. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I think as that starts to come back in and you're, you're getting feedback and you're getting collaboration opportunities, then you want to talk with maybe some, an agent, you know, a booking agent could be very useful at that point where they can negotiate your deals and get you better looks. Um, and, and, and you know, usually you want the agents to call you. It's probably a better option. So just you got to more you create content wise, the more it comes back. Like it's embarrassing you have to be a little vain. Like I even do it on social media. If I know if I I've done this even experiment where it's like this week, I am going to overshare on social media. I'm going to overshare on Instagram and Facebook. And even though you might not get as many likes on every post and you might feel a little narcissistic and vain, you get way more inbound. It's mm -hmm. amazing. You're getting my phone's ringing a lot more. Brand managers are calling me up saying, I want your take on this. Or can you give me some insight on that? Or, oh, damn, you had tacos for breakfast? <laughs> I love tacos. I'm doing something for Cinco de Mayo. You should check it out. Or you should figure out how to use it. Right. Um, and so the more you post, the more it comes back to you. And then I would also say, like, leverage the new technology. Get involved on these new platforms as they're on the rise because you can be a superstar on them. Mm -hmm. And and you can really build, be early movers. And as the platforms start to grow, you can, you know, be like the the big players on them. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the early days of Twitter or, or like even Instagram. If you were there first, you you got a much bigger following from that because you were like day day early and and you built a community around your your craft right so leveraging technology on the early side is very helpful mm -hmm. in um you know being a big fish in a small pond sure and if that pond grows so will you mm -hmm. the, one of the interesting things that you'd mentioned about you know sending 
a thousand emails a day or, you know, a thousand messages or whatever it is. And some people are like, oh, well, I don't have time for that. It's like, okay, well, you can send 50 or 75 or 100. And I, I think we get caught up in this this notion that we're going to do one thing one day and it's going to be this massive thing that that gives us back all of this, uh, you know, all of this reward when it's actually just a matter of just grinding every day and just doing it every single day, day in and day out. And you look back and you're like, man, I've been doing this for six months and look at all this great stuff that has come out of me sending 10 emails a day. You know, you know, it doesn't have to be, it. it doesn't have to be a thousand. So like guys who are working day jobs and trying to, you know, do it on the side or, you know, have a, have transition out of their day job into doing it full time or whatever it is. Like, I mean, you know, like how many emails do you send a day? You know, like how many emails did you send a day when you were like really, really grinding? You know, and celebrate the wins. Yeah, you're gonna get responses off of that, and you're right. That's the old way of thinking, or that's fairy tale thinking that like one break is gonna change. Sure, you can win the lottery, maybe. No, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not realistic. Everybody that knows it's successful, that it's always a series of steady, consistent grind. That makes the difference, right? So like I think how you're ma- hammering the point there. Like how many, how many, how many emails do you send? Like you, seriously, you know, like hundreds, uh, thousands, mean, you know? Yeah, 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 a lot, a lot. I mean, I'm trying to. I have this philosophy where it's like I'm trying to work my to do list and not my inbox. Right. Every day, it's a more productive approach versus like responding to everything coming in more like, okay, here's the agenda that I want to drive forward for the day. And so I I definitely um, am more proactive uh, on email just because a lot's coming in at me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say well over a hundred emails goes out and a lot more than that comes in every day. Right. And on, and when you're, you know, when you're grinding and you're just, I don't want to say blindly reaching out to people, but you're just like hustling and you're just trying to connect with people. You're just, you send out hundreds of emails and some of them come back and some of them don't come back. The The interesting part is that like a lot of them do come back that you don't expect, you know, and you're like, man, oh, okay. Even look, sales is like one out of 10, right? right? So if you send out a hundred emails and 10 people respond and one good lead comes out of it, like that's how it works. That's still a good day. And that's mm-hmm. one freaking one email, one response, one new gig is all it takes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for the day, but then you got to go back at it the next day. Exactly. It's, it's definitely um, a consistent grind, and 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 it's gonna go to the hungriest person. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's uh, I'm in New York, so like I'm really conditioned. New York rewards the hustler. Yeah, and for sure. uh, I'm I'm out here hustling, and and the more you more grind you put in, the more that's coming back, and and then you got to parlay it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at the way we got connected. You know, it's like I don't even know. I have no idea how I found you in the first place. But I'm like, oh man, he'd be a great guest. Let me reach out to him, see what's up. You know, like after this, who knows? Like I'll be in New York next week. Let's get together. Well, I've caught. You know, it's like I don't know, man. I guess I guess definitely. I it's, get frustrated with the uh, relationships. Yeah. Yeah, and I get I sort of get frustrated with the idea that that everyone's like, oh, it's just not happening anymore, and it's hard, you know, it's hard to be a musician, which I understand that it is, but it's like, how much work are you putting into it? Be other than like, you can't just be a great drummer anymore, or a great musician, or a great band, you know? Like, no, 
there's you got to be, be a great brand, right? And you right. got to be constantly creating and sharing and and connecting and and just devving yourself, mm-hmm. and you could be so consistent mm-hmm. and 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 relentless, okay. and um, you got to have thick skin because especially as a creator or an artist, you're putting your you know heart and soul out there and a lot of people are not going to respond a lot of people are are not going to respond well Mm -hmm. a lot of people are not going to be sensitive and thoughtful and empathetic and um and caring and appreciative of of what you're doing and that's okay because all it takes is a couple all you need is what the rule of thumb is if you have a thousand diehard fans you're going to make a great living yep Yep. So build your thousand fans one by one mm-hmm. and keep them engaged and keep giving them what they want and keep feeding them and feeding them and uh, they'll keep coming back. And, and, and meanwhile, try to recruit more, but there's no way to do it like in the old school mentality where a record label is just going to, you know, to give you a big advance and make your records huge and, um, you know, you're going to have all this amazing success and it's going to ride forever. Like that's hitting the lottery. Right. And if you want to play that game, that's great, but it's, it's not so realistic. And look, the, the pot at the end of the rainbow pot of gold is, is, isn't what it looks like because when you sign these type of deals early on, when you don't have leverage, you're basically signing away your career. Mm-hmm. You're basically signing your life away. And, uh, I don't know. I, I would want to have it more in my own hands. Right. Yeah, you sign a, C- a 360 deal, man. It's like, ooh, you're paying back everything. They're getting your touring. You know, they're getting your your merch. They're getting everything. Everything. For what? A $100,000 advance and a chance to get a million dollars over the course of five years? Like, it's, right. it's, it's not what it seems. You don't need it. It mm-hmm. sounds better than it is. Like mm-hmm. your best bet is to, to to figure out how to do this yourself. Yeah. And um and 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 you gotta really believe and really grind. Mm-hmm. And you know, the joke is like that overnight success takes ten years. Yeah, of course. Takes ten years. Like I feel like just now I'm starting to get uh recognition and, and understanding for the, the work and, and, and the, the grind and the hustle and the, the experiences and what I can bring to the table. It, it takes a long time to, for people to realize mm-hmm. your work. So I think about that. Like you could be the new kid on the block at 33, um, you know, the new hot thing because uh, it took you 10 years to get that experience. Yeah. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, whoa, it, it, you – Success happens so fast in some regards and so slow in others. It's just how um, how people catch on. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people jump on the bandwagon, but that doesn't happen until uh, you put the work in. Yeah, for sure. I love, you know, what I do love is the fact that it's in your hands. Like you control the outcome. So if you want to work yeah, towards I mean, it. Look, a lot of luck is there and a lot of faith is there, but you've got to do everything you can. Right. put yourself in the position to create your own luck. I agree. I agree. And that's why I go back to the go to good places with good people and great things happen. There you go. One plus one equals three. I, dig I it. dropped a couple of gems out there. There's like a couple of good talking points. Yeah. 
So speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, of talking points, I know that you have a newsletter and all that, and you're always posting great content. Where's the best place for people to go to follow you and see what's going on with with uh, with what you got going on and and how they can follow Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Well, every week, Beats and Bites. It's a weekly newsletter. It's everything you need to know about music, tech, and brands. How they intersect. We really spend a lot of time picking what we find are the most relevant news of the week. Um, and, and so decentbytes.com, uh, it's on our, actually on our website too, which is newagency.com. And if you want to stay in touch with me and follow me on it at Jesse K, J E S S E K A Y on Twitter, on Instagram, on Spotify, on all that good stuff. So let's be friends and let's trade insights and keep each other posted on what's hot and what's not. And figure out ways to collaborate too. I might not be a drummer, but uh, I'm a friend of the drummer community. I like it. It's easy to be friends with drummers. We're good. We're good people. So I'm the coolest. Honestly, the coolest, most versatile musicians in all of the bunch. There you go. There you go. Dude, look at Questlove. Is he Questlove the most famous drummer in the world right now? Uh, I don't. Man, he's close. He's close. If he's not, you know. I mean, in the in the world, probably like I mean, he's one of them. Yeah, I mean, inside the drumming community, like there's there's other guys who are super famous drummers, but not like you know you would know how you would have no idea who he was. You know what I mean? So there's those guys, but then like in the world, I mean, like who everyone knows, I would say Quest maybe or I mean the guy's on national television every single night. So um, and he's just I saw him. He won a Tribeca Film Festival Disruption Award. He's yeah. got a new book that just came out. He's got his first book is really good too. He he's already, just a smart, thoughtful guy. That's what drummers are. Yeah, man. And he's from drummers Phil- are the, uh, the musicians that lead the band. And he's from Philadelphia, which makes him even cooler. Wow. So, well, All I'm, right. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm from Philly, so I had to I had to say that. So. I know, Nick. Six one zero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks I'm still there, and I'm like, no, no, I haven't been there for a while. But, uh, but Jesse, I want to uh, I want to thank you for one taking the time to chat. Two, I want to congratulate you on the success that you've had, and I wish you continued success in the future. Um, and the information that that you shared is so much different than a lot of the stuff that we that we share on here, and and I know that the audience digs it man and i know that you're a busy dude so i definitely appreciate the time and i appreciate you i appreciate this opportunity and and thank you for reaching out and uh and 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 giving me the platform and opportunity and uh, i hope you found it useful and i hope you stay in touch and let me know when you're in new york and we'll uh we'll go check out some music will do my man thank you so much again and i will talk to you soon okay peace and love So there you have it, the one and only Jesse Kirschbaum. And if you want the show notes, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 386. There'll be links there, how you can stay in contact with Jesse as well. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to sign up for the Monday Mix, drummersresource.com forward slash M-I-X. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.